Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 8th of October 2020 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Some say that the summer heat is the perfect time for passion to blaze, but here in Hong Kong, I think autumn is the most romantic season. Just like a fleeting romance, it doesn't last long, and when it's over, you're cold for a little while. But it's worth it all for the kiss of a cooling breeze and the novelty of dressing up as though for someone special. Well, okay, it is hard to romanticize the wearing of socks, but the relief that the heat of summer has abated is real. Today, as we skip through the streets, we'll be listening to a story from John about his romantic pursuits. And after John, we'll hear a story from Ente about what Before he Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge and warm hug Before goes out to our loyal Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge and warm Stay hug well, goes Hong out Kong. to our loyal We are listeners to your stories. Stay well, Hong Kong. Big hello to our overseas stories as well. This week Big hellos go to our overseas listeners as well. Taichung this week to listeners in Nakian in Canada, Taichung in Taiwan, and Nova Iguasu in Brazil. Thanks for letting our stories on into Saturday, your October ears. On Saturday, 24th, we'll be hosting our second annual on Saturday, Story Slam. October 24th, we'll be hosting our second annual Student Story Slam, where Hong Kong students are We've invited to tell their true first-person stories on our stage. We've been collecting the stories if all month like and have some excellent young talent If you'd like to see and hear in person how amazing young storytellers in Hong Kong are, our tickets will be on sale and by the 13th of October. Sorry, and we have a there's been a slight delay in that, but they'll be, they should be on sale by the 13th of October. This Find details on the website, hongkongstories.com, and on to fill your ears. And we have a date for our July show. It's now our October 29th live show. This one is the regular storytelling show, and we have some well-polished and beautiful stories to fill your ears. Tickets for this show will also be live by October 13th, and information can be found at hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with the story from our June 2020 show, which was meant to be our February 2020 show, with the theme of Fifty Shades of Red. Here is John. It was 2016, my first time living in Kunshan, an extremely quiet yet extremely beautiful city in China. Everything was so new. The speed train, the black cap, and even my new Korean identity. Yes, I mean, if you look like Chinese, and you, if you don't speak fluent Mandarin, they thought you are Korean. <laughs> and yeah, so people say China is not free, but I wonder why. And so there I was, starting my new semester in China. Um, as an exchange student, money was an issue, a huge issue. So my hair grew long and I needed a cut. So I, I asked around my, my classmates if they could offer me a haircut for free. I, I didn't know anybody, but my decided to save money outweighed my pride. And luckily, Yang, one of the local Chinese, offered to do the haircut for me for free. And so all, all of the students live in the dormitory where the lower floor is for sleeping 
and the upper floor is for communal activities. So I waited for her at the upper floor, and there she was, taking the entire toolkit, coming upstairs to greet me. And this is for you, she said. She handed me a red lollipop, and she turned on her phone, played a classical song, Hotel California. <laughs> this song reminds me of Kenya. She told me,、um, I was confused. Like she was living in Kenya, and an American song reminds her of Kenya. I mean that's colonialism. But <laughs> but Kenya was a British colony, so that was also an irony. So but she she told me that was the song that all the Kenyan bus always played in in the bus. And I happened to also stay in Africa for for over a year, so I was naturally drawn to the conversation. We we talked for a bit, and gradually Yang started to open up. She told me about her dream, her goals, and the work she was doing in Kenya. Yang was a very cute girl. She has a strong purpose in life as well, and I think she has the most attractive double eyelid I've ever seen. <laughs> and so, when her hand accidentally touched my hat when she was cutting my hair. And I acted as if nothing has happened. Yeah, inside my heart, it was as if some reindeers were racing. So I really wanted to understand her more. And I would just walk around the campus trying to search for her. But when I saw Yang, I was too embarrassed to even come up and say hi to her. And after a while, maybe two weeks or a month, I got to the stage that I could just walk up and just say hi. And finally, I could be very comfortable going into the room where she studied, and put put out my laptop and just trying to study with her. And I really like watching her when she was concentrating. <laughs> and I know Yang was a good ballet dancer. She went to the gym every night to practice ballet. I've never danced my entire life, but there was a good chance getting to to know her. So I just asked Yang, "Could you teach me dancing?" No, she said. <laughs> I asked again, "What if I take you to lunch?" No, she still said she wouldn't agree to teach me dancing. And then one day we were walking alongside the lake, inside the campus, and I asked again, "Would you teach me dancing, Yang?" And she said, "Only if you jump into the lake." She she was trying to play play with me. I I must have been drunk. I just jumped into the lake, and it it was it was in the winter time. The air was chilly, and there were fish inside. And are you insane? She asked. She seemed to be shocked, and I would not agree to come out unless she teach me dancing. So that that night, it was our first night dancing together, and we became very close. I was very fond of her, yet I was hesitant, hesitant to start anything more than a relationship because I know I I don't belong to to that. And what what happens to, in China stays in China. <laughs> and one night we were we were walking, we were grabbing some dinner alongside a park beside the campus, and I was telling her that her double eyelids. Is very attractive, and which always caught my attention. And then I 
got my girls together. I asked if I could kiss her. Um, so I waited for two seconds. My my hands were were sweating a lot, and my heart were, was racing. In addition, on that night I just had garlic, so <laughs> I'm not sure if that would ruin the kiss. And after two seconds, I just pressed my lips into hers. It was so soft, and I felt as if I owned the entire world. It was my first kiss, she told me, half blaming me. <laughs> and and on our way back, I held her hand, and she also told me she wasn't used to that because that was the first time she was holding others' hand. And we started this relationship that we know is going to end very soon, and we don't we don't have a plan B. We're just trying to cross the river by touching the stone, I guess, and. So very very soon the semester has ended, and I needed to travel back to Norway. So the night before our departure, it was the first time we we separated, and the night before she sat beside my bed. We did not speak a word, but I just saw tears coming down her face, and we managed to stay together somehow after that. We kept this relationship going on for three years, but life always loved to make jokes with me. So, in August last year, we decided to to part.、Um, so it has been ten months since I last saw Yank. Right now, she is living in Sweden, and I still miss her. I miss her kindness. I miss her double eyelid, and I also miss a lot of things that. She did for me and helped me to grow. And I remember Yang always told me, "Time will heal," but I think time will only add a layer on top of your wound. It will never replace your wound. I, I don't know what will happen. Maybe, maybe things could change. Maybe next time I could bring another love story. I don't know yet. But thank you so much for your time. <laughs> There are people we will always miss. We hope that time is healing for John, and that one day he finds the love he craves. We hope to be returning to our free workshops in the near future. Keep checking the website for details of when you can start workshopping your stories live again. HongKongStories.com. And now with the story from 2018, here is Ente. My life began in a small village in the Netherlands, and just like any other town, it produced its own music—a musical arrangement performed by dogs, cows, and nosy neighbors. A concert、uh, composed out of many bars of silence, broken by the banging of the grandfather clock hanging in our living room, or the loud clanging of dishes. Reminding us that my mother was the only one doing all the work in our house. <laughs> my mom used to listen to classical music on the radio when she was ironing. I did not appreciate it. Dinner was at 6 p.m. every single day. Lunch at 12. During some meals, 
We would be treated to some unexpected excitement when a car would pull up into our street. We would uh, gaze through the window without curtains to, 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 to look at this, this fascinating scene. Are we getting visitors? What is our neighbor doing home at this hour? In springtime, my morning wake-up call would be a concert of a polyphony sang by uh, horny birds, <laughs> while at night, the screams of cats in lust or at war would keep me awake. They're their soul piercing screams, a good rival for my own uh, recurring nightmares. One day I found a strange ornament in our attic, um, U-shaped ceramic harp in a cast iron um, frame. There were musical notes printed on it surrounding a very popular Dutch phrase that goes something like, of life's concert, no one has a program. Uh, I felt, though, that the concert performed in my little town was the most predictable concert ever. And my own song definitely could not be sung there. My song did not harmonize with the monotone sound of my teachers, the teachers that would berate my parents for allowing me to learn how to read before it was before I was old enough to go to school. My song made my neighbors uncomfortable. They would warn my parents that if they didn't force me to play football, I would become one of those. <laughs> so after 18 years, I, I was able to escape my hellish hometown. I joined the city choir of Amsterdam as one anonymous, unique voice between many. As soon as my parents left the ground floor apartment in which they had helped me move, I knew I found my true home. Behind the three meter tall window panes, Amsterdam sang its song of bicycle bells, squeaking tram wheels and drunken tourists. Sometimes I would fill my narrow room with the music playing on my first very own sound system. My uncle had bought it for me together with my first CD, Tracy Chapman's self-named album. <laughs> and I had a feeling that I belonged. I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone. Some nights I would wake up to the sound of people in heat or at war. It, it, it was as if they were, they were fighting or laughing right there next to my bed a bit uncomfortable, but I felt safe and encouraged to, uh, to make my own voice heard. Amsterdam taught me how to sing, out loud, on my bicycle, without worrying what people may think. But after 10 years, I started feeling less free, less anonymous. The, the city started to shrink. I needed to escape again and I found my way out when I fell in love with a handsome American. I would follow him to New York, Tokyo, and, and finally Hong Kong, where our latest city opera is being performed. It's 
taking place right now in uh, Tin Hao, some 20 floors above King's Road. The bass sound of car engines harmonizes with the humming of our air conditioner unit. <laughs> the acceleration of double-decker trams produce the tenor part. Their, their moaning reminds me of whale songs. They, they soothe my mind and lull me into relaxation, but usually at that point, it's time for the, uh, for the altos and sopranos to do their thing. A call and response between car horns, each holding their dissonant pitch longer and louder. And if there are no frustrated drivers around, there's usually a neighbor picking up a drill to screech its metal on the hard concrete of the walls we share. But not all music in Tin Hao is performed by machines. Most days, usually around 2 p.m., there's um, a street artist on the corner playing saxophone. And if he's not around, a guitar player takes his spot. And it seems both of them love George Michael's careless whisper. <laughs> they play one verse, the intermission, and the chorus in a three-hour-long loop. <laughs> I, I do not understand how this hasn't driven them insane yet. <laughs> the melodies of Hong Kong, they, they were beautiful and exciting the first few times that I heard them. But after eight years, my overstimulated ears need a break. I don't know how many more renditions of Careless Whisper they can endure. I use my uh, noise-canceling earphones to, to push out George Michael, the MTR jingles, and uh, my sneezing fellow citizens to push them out of my consciousness uh, and nestled in my sound cocoon, I pretend I do not share the MTR train with the same amount of people that inhabit my entire hometown. <laughs> Between Admiralty and, and Mongkok, my iPhone plays a 1951 recording of uh, an opera performed in, in Amsterdam, and its cracks and melodrama transport me to a place I've left a long time ago. I longingly hear the hiss of my mother's hot iron. She and I will look through the window without curtains to see what our neighbors are up to, and maybe later, after our clock bangs 12 times, I'll help her with the dishes. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Roberts Mann. Everyone has a story to tell.